Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Common Sense for America podcast. I'm Ian Duncan, your CSA director and host. Our mission is to put common sense intelligence back into American thought. Well, I like to start off my podcast with a question, and that is, how did we get here? The question today is, how did Republicans somehow become the racist? If you understand the Republican Party, it was founded in 1854 by anti-slave activists, specifically to prevent the states of Missouri and Kansas be able to have slaves. That's actually what started the Civil War. It's also the party of Lincoln. You've heard of the 13th Amendment. That was passed by Republicans. And how did that belief somehow get switched with the party that is absolutely responsible for the freedom of slaves in America? How did that party somehow become labeled as racist? Well, the answer to that is the left. If you listen to my previous podcast, you'll understand how the left uses race to try to mislead and get people to believe in things based on emotion. A lot of times you will hear stats about certain crimes that how the police are systemically racist. Systemic racism is a common, common term used by the left and echoed by liberals as well as Democrats. Those systemic racist beliefs and those cite stats. Prime example is a friend of mine sent me a video where she was targeting, quote unquote, a state trooper that somehow ticketing 80% blacks for speeding. Well, when you hear a stat like that, you think, wow, man, that sounds absolutely racist. That's the intent. That's the intent of the left is to use that emotional response to get you to believe in something that might not necessarily be true. The whole story probably isn't told. What you don't hear about in a stat like that is black drivers as a whole are significantly more aggressive. Now, is that true of all black drivers? No, it's not. Just like it's not true that all white people are racist. Those are things that you will see sometimes be the case, but you got to look a little bit deeper into stats like that. Another misleading stat that you will hear about is when it comes to arrests and police profiling. And why is that? Well, a lot of times you will see those stats seem skewed against blacks because of the fact that 52% of all violent crimes are committed by 7% of the population that happens to be mostly black men. Those crimes are committed black on black crimes. But if you statistically looked at the arrests and everything by the police, it looks like on the surface to be racist. But when you take into consideration the amount of crime that are committed by black men, you'll understand why police have a tendency to arrest blacks at a higher rate than what is representative of the black population. That's intentional. Again, like I mentioned on my last podcast, this is the left using race to incite an emotional response. A lot of times, like I said, with the police profiling, one of the things that you will also hear a lot about, pretty much every time a white-on-black situation occurs that appears to be racially motivated, even when oftentimes it's not, you will absolutely hear almost every white-on-black crime 
and it gets national attention. When the opposite is true, when black attacks a white, it's almost completely obfuscated to the point where you don't even hear about it. Why is that? That's because the left, again, wants you to have an emotional response to things that you observe, not because of the actual statistics or the real reasoning behind it. So keep that in mind. That's how we got here. And I'm going to go through, after this commercial break, specifically how that path started clear back in 1619. But first, today's podcast is brought to you by CPI Transactions. Need non-standard funding for real estate deals? CPI Transactions can help. We make real estate transactions easier. Check us out at cpitransactions.com. All right, well, I talked about the date of 1619. You've probably heard of the 1619 Project. And the reason they highlight that particular date is because 1619 is before the founding of the country, right? The idea is to make you believe that racism exists and the very foundations of our country from the beginning were because of racism and slavery and that is woven into the very fabric of the United States, or at least that's what the 1619 Project would like you to believe. Well, the 1619 Project was commissioned, I believe, by the New York Times, Nicole Hannah-Jones. She had an axe to grind. And there are a few significant details that are left out of that 1619 Project, all of the documentation that, that went into that. The very first thing that's left out of that is the United States actually started technically in 1606 by the Virginia Charter. 1607 is when they actually made landfall. For 12 years, you had no slaves on the continental, what is now known as the continental United States, at least by European settlers. There were slaves, and they were Native American slave ownership of other Native Americans, but that's not the foundation of the United States as we know it. So 1619 is a significant date. In 1619, the Virginia Company had hardships and basically came up with the concept of indentured servants. The one thing that is missing oftentimes from the discussion of the 1619 project, which eventually is woven into CRT, is that the Angolians that are referenced as the first black slaves in the United States by European settlers, well, they were indentured servants. Why is that significant? Well, because they were captured, a Portuguese slaver ship was raided by two English privateer ships, English ships. The Portuguese had these slaves as slaves. When the English raided that ship and captured the slaves, they sold them to folks in the colonists in, in Jamestown, and they were indentured servants. What's the difference? Well, an indentured servant is somebody who can work off and work into freedom. Okay, so that doesn't sound all that much different than slaves. Well, there's another piece missing. The majority of the European migration after 1619 to the United States, a lot of them paid their passage by becoming indentured servants. So 
when you have that knowledge, you understand that these Angolians that were sold into indentured servitude had essentially the same rights or freedom as a lot of the European settlers. They were all indentured servants, but that is conveniently left out of that project on purpose because they want you to think of the very foundations of this country were founded on slavery. Okay, if you want to call indentured servitude slavery, then you also have to understand that it was mostly white slaves. So keep that in mind. I want you to think about that and think about that a lot because that the left intentionally will mislead you to basically try to make their argument that the very foundations of this country were racist. Not true. Not true at all. That's how you get to the beginning of the argument for systemic racism. Another thing that you will hear about is what's known as the Three-Fifths Compromise. Yes, it's true that after the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution um, were created, in 1787 there was uh, something known as the Three-Fifths Compromise. And the reason for that was the southern states did have slave ownership. The northern states mostly did not. And if you understand the electoral map in the House of Representatives, you understand that population is a determinant of how many representatives you have in the House of Representatives for each state. And so the purpose of the Three-Fifths Compromise was to make sure that slaves that could not vote uh, were not counted among the population for the South, that was intentional because it would have given the South not particularly accurate representation because they would have been able to count their slaves as part of the population to gain more seats in the House. There's another piece that's often left out about this. And that piece is free blacks and indentured servants, which I've talked to you about already, were not counted by the three-fifths compromise. They were actually counted as normal citizens. So again, keep that in mind. That's important because you will hear the left try to say that even in the very beginning of after the Constitution, that black people were treated not as a full person. Well, again, slaves, when they were counting the House of Representatives, by the way, the South was the Democratic South, they wanted to make sure that slaves were not misrepresentative uh, as far as voting populations were concerned. They did not want the South to have an outsized representation in the House of Representatives because slaves weren't free. The free blacks and the indentured servants, which were European whites as well, were not counted as three-fifths. So it wasn't a racial thing. It was a slave ownership thing. The next thing I want to point I want to talk about is the Civil War. I already kind of touched on it a little bit. The Civil War basically started because Missouri and Kansas wanted to be able to own slaves. The Southern Democrats fought in the Civil War to keep the slaves. They were in favor of Missouri and Kansas to be able to own slaves. The then Whig Party, which is the predecessor to the Grand Old Party, a.k.a. the Republican Party, was basically, much like it is today, conservatives are often fractured. The 
Whig Party separated out and a new party was formed, and that was known as the GOP or the Republican Party, that were that was started by anti-slave activists. That is the very founding principle of the Republican Party. It was against slavery. Well, as you well know, Lincoln wanted, you know, the South wanted to secede, the, the Southern Democrats wanted to secede from the United States and create their own country to where they could keep the slaves. The Republicans, they elected Lincoln, and Lincoln fought to keep the country whole. You often hear that that was due to economic reasons. Well, the problem with that is the North was significantly wealthier than the South. It was not because of economic reasons. It was, it was because of the fact that slavery at the time was viewed by the North and the Republican Party as wrong. And he wanted to keep the country together. That was the motivating factor for Lincoln. So after the Civil War ended, there were many things that were enacted. One of them was the Emancipation Proclamation by President Lincoln, Republican president again, in 1863. And then the 13th Amendment was passed in 1864, which was the uh, both... The, the combination of these two freed the slaves. There were some things afterwards where uh, the Southern Democrats, again, uh, tried to circumvent law and didn't give the uh, free slaves what they were promised. I believe it was three acres and a donkey. And that was the, the Democrats because they were able to, uh, I believe congressionally, stop that piece of legislation. Again, Democrats. All right, now that I've given you a bit of a history lesson of the Republican Party and the parties responsible for wanting to keep slaves, I turn to our next commercial break. You need a digital footprint that reaches customers? Social media, not your thing? We can help. Source One Technologies, digital marketing that works. Visit SourceOneTech.com. Well, post-Civil War era, the South the Southern Democrats, it was still very segregated. A lot of people know that history, especially in like Alabama, Arkansas, a lot of the Southern states continued to, and, and yes, uh, blacks were freed, but they used the law in a very partisan way to keep segregation. It was supposedly separate but equal, but it was wrong. And that was their way of of doing that. And you've probably heard about the 1954 Brown versus education where a black student, and I apologize, I don't remember the name, wanted to go to a white school, right? Uh, I know there was also the bus incident with Rosa Parks, all of that stuff. And that is the sad, honest truth. Our, our history did have elements of systemic racism, typically by Southern Democrats, all the way up from the very beginnings of the foundation, right? But it was always the Southern Democrats, not the Republican Party. Well, the first Civil Rights Act was passed by Dwight D. Eisenhower and the Republican Congress in 1957. It was a direct answer to the Brown versus education. And then in 1960, there was another Civil Rights Act that was passed that gave more freedoms and tried to keep the segregationist movement, tried to kneecap it, so to speak. And then the most famous was the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which essentially spelled out that there was no way for race discrimination to be written into law. 
Well, it was introduced by President Kennedy, which was a Democrat, and that was kind of the turning point where Democrats were able to see the power of uh, using race as a tool to paint their political opponents as something else. I don't believe Kennedy did that, but LBJ, after Kennedy's assassination, who was from the South, he was from Texas, he saw it, and there's a famous LBJ quote that, uh, I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it is fairly well known that LBJ basically said, if we pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964, those, quote-unquote, and I'm going to use a similar term, but not the actual term, those ninjas will be voting for us for the next hundred years. He understood the power of optics. He understood that um, if it was perceived that the Democrats were the reason that discrimination ended, that the Democrats could use that for political leverage. And they have. That was essentially how the whole systemic racist uh, argument towards Republicans started. It was after the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. One thing that isn't known about that is that there were more Republicans that voted to pass that act than Democrats. If you try to look that up, it's very hard to find, but that is the truth. So even then, even 1964, Republicans, true to their form, true to their origins, voted to make sure that blacks were treated equally as much as legally possible. But the Democrats know the power of optics and use that as a tool, a political tool, like they always do. I want you to think about that. I want you to be aware of that. Well, after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, um, that's when a lot of the critical race theorists like Marcuse, um, Solinsky, uh, they reap the rewards of the 60s and of the assassination of Martin Luther King. And they sow discord within the nation and used, again, the leftist strategy because they can't stand a capitalistic Judeo-Christian society. They use those fractures to create divisions so that they could advance their political ideology and their political agenda. We're seeing that today. That's why you hear all this systemic racism talk. They painted, I believe it was Nixon's, he used what was known as the Southern strategy to try to pick up Southern voters. Well, the thing that's left out of that conversation a lot is that after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, there um, was a mass migration of blacks to the North. Also, and part of that was due to economic reasons, right? To the Republican North. And uh, the, the South... It was cheaper for some Republicans, and so they moved down to the South, and that's how the South has become a little bit significantly more Republican and traditional is because um, the black migration into the North and then the poorer Republicans moving into the South. It wasn't a matter of somehow magically in 1964 the South the racist South, those people switched parties. That's, that's a myth. That is absolutely a myth that was propagated by the left. They don't take into consideration the migrations. 
socioeconomic folks and also the, the black migrations into large cities. So that's why they used that Southern strategy because myth, because Nixon knew that there was a decent amount of Republicans that had moved towards the South. And so he wanted to pick up those voters. Makes it seem like you can, you can paint that as, you know, they're, they're trying to pick up racism. And, and that is another uh, mechanism that was used by the left, leftist, and by the Democratic Party for political gain. The one of the things that you don't often hear about with the whole systemic racism, a group that is often left out unless it's convenient, you know, I've, I've focused a lot on bat, blacks and slavery because that's usually typically wh- who the Democrats like to focus on. They, they also focus on quote unquote brown people. But probably the most targeted group by white supremacists, which do exist, and by the way, most of them existed in the Democratic Party for the majority of the history of this country up until the 80s or so. And then they started to realize that they weren't getting any traction in either party and saw the opportunity to try to infiltrate uh, the Republican Party. So I won't, I won't lie. White supremacy does exist. It exists on both sides of the aisle. It's just the spotlight is shined on uh, the Republican Party uh, white supremacists, much more so than the Democratic white supremacists. They still exist in both parties. But the thing that you don't hear about is that most white supremacists are racist, yes, against blacks, but they are also significantly, mostly racist against Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is where you will hear uh, is where the statistics come from when it comes to white supremacy statistics. They make it try to sound like it's uh, whites against blacks, and that, again, is intentional, but that is exactly where most of that white supremacy comes from. As I've mentioned in the previous podcast, the left likes to use race as a tool. That's why you saw in Germany, that's why you see that white supremacists oftentimes are neo-Nazi in nature. Well, (laughs) That's because the left uses racism. Fascism, as I explained in the last podcast, is a leftist ideology that used race as a dividing factor, just like you're seeing today, right? You see a lot of the talks that go on that focus on race. That's what Andrea Ocasio-Cortez, that's what the uh, Whoopi Goldberg on The View and the women of The View, they will constantly frame things in a racial manner, criticize Florida's new teachings on, on, on slavery, the approved curriculum. They f- try to frame it as it being incredibly racist and, and they obfuscate the reality that it was created by several black board members and it didn't say that slavery was good. It said that persistence of black people in a slave-owning society were able to obtain skills that later benefited them in life. And that focus was on the human spirit and how black people, even though they were downtrodden during the slavery, uh, during slavery, they were able to gain skills. It was by no means glorifying slavery, but you won't hear that in mainstream media. You also won't hear that on The View. You won't hear that on most sources. They absolutely condemned slavery. They talked about horribly how horrible it was, and they probably go into more detail than even the CRT um, curriculum does but they don't shy away from it. In fact, I believe the CRT curriculum does also highlight that blacks persevered and gained skills as well. 
but you don't hear that side. Why? Because optics are important. <clears throat> so the last thing that I'm going to talk about is the what's becoming more and more prevalent, and that's blatant out-and-out -out racism against whites. There are TikTok videos of blacks talking about cave dwellers and white monkeys. And why is that? Uh, I, I go back to my original question. Why is that? The reason is, is because they've been told a lot of blacks um, through the university systems, as well as um, politicians, democratic politicians and left-leaning politicians, will constantly say that whites are racist. And so the natural outcome is for blacks to believe that whites are racist, so it's okay to be racist against them. The funny thing is, is that you can find a ton of TikTok videos with this, but you never hear about it in the mainstream media. The reason, again, is for political power, and it is a tool of the left. Nothing's changed. It's essentially the same as it was as socialism, fascism, which is militant socialism, that they've always done. So nothing new to see here. It's, it's how they roll. Gets you intentionally riled up, intentionally emotional, so that you don't pay attention to the actual facts. That is absolutely intentional. And it's sad to see because our country is, is paying for it. And our country, despite what you're taught, you younger folk out there that did not grow up in the 80s and the 90s, that was probably some of the least racist time of all. But I'm sure that you're taught something very different. So that's all I have for today. I will close this podcast, as I always do, with these words from Proverbs 321. Don't lose sight of common sense, discernment. Hang on to them. Thanks, and have a good day.